last, uh, and we were together in March, we talked about joy restored, and Julie led us through Psalm 51, and we talked about how um, when we repent, when we turn from our sin to the Lord, that that actually brings us great joy, because we are restored to a right relationship with the Lord. And tonight, we're going to move on from there and talk about life renewed. Um, a while back, I was at a friend's house for a play date. She lives on some property, so there's this hill in her backyard that um, goes down to a creek. And my son, he really wanted to get down to the creek. But there's all these blackberry bushes kind of on the way down to the creek, and he goes you know, he's full boy, running down this hill, and all of a sudden he is yelling and flailing because he has landed right in the middle of these blackberry bushes. So I go and I pull him out, put him on his feet, and he's frustrated, and I'm like, okay, you gotta go this way, you gotta go that way. Okay, mom. Five minutes later, yelling, <laughs> he's stuck again in these blackberry bushes. Pull him out buddy, you got to go this way, over here. That's the right path down to the creek. Um, you guys, five minutes later, I'm not joking. He's <laughs> in the same blackberry bushes, and this time I pull him out, and he actually has a thorn sticking out of the top of his head. And I pull the thorn out, and he's frustrated and discouraged. He doesn't even want to go down to the creek anymore, you know? And you guys, I can be the same way in my life when I'm faced by the same temptation, the same struggle, and I just keep coming up against that wall and I feel like, man, why, why am I still struggling with the same thing? Why can't I just get past this struggle? And with my son, what I had to do was I had to lift him out of those bushes, take him by the hand, walk him over, and put his feet on the right path and say, go that way. And we have a Savior who not only walks with us, but who is in us. And he has given us new life, and he helps us to walk in it. And so that's what, that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about this life renewed in Christ. And so I'm, I know we're going to leave here just feeling encouraged by our time in the Word and um, in worship. Um, like I said, this is our last girls' night out for this year, um, but what is so exciting is that we have some things that we can actually put on our calendar for this summer and even looking into the fall, so I'm going to ask um, Tara coffee, and then Megan's going to come up and make um, a couple announcements about things that we have to look forward to. Good evening. Um, like Ellie said, super excited to be up here because um, on your tables, if you kind of um, flip through those little um, postcards you guys have, we have one for Moms and Tots. And normally we're transitioning from the gym to sunny days outside, but we haven't had that. And so um, this is going to be extra special this year. I think about the physical connection between moms that's kind of been um, lost this season. And so um, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with Moms and Tots, um, we encourage moms of really any aged kid to come to the park. Um, these dates happen every Wednesday. It's a drop-in when you can. 
and we just hang out at the park and talk. And I know connection is kind of a catch-all word these days, but um, truly, um, we've had some awesome relationships start here. And um, thinking about it being at a park, this is a great spot to invite neighbors, to coworkers, to, um, because uh, when people see the community of Christ <laughs> at these places, man, they're drawn in. I just um, think of a good friend of mine who was a coworker who came to Mom and Tots for years, and she came to discipleship, and she hadn't even shared this with me, but she said, when they said, why are we here? And she was in a John group, and she said, I've been coming to Mom and Tots, and she goes, I have two kids now. She goes, and you guys have something that I feel like I need for them. And it was just such a sweet testimony of what the Lord does through his people to people who are hungry right? Hungry for that hope and community. So I um, encourage you to take one home, maybe two, if you have someone else you can think of to invite. And the top asked question is, what if I don't have toddlers? Can I still come? And the answer is yes. So I have plenty to share. And then... Um, <laughs> And then on top of that, um, this year, everyone wants to hang out, right? So we're going to have um, balls. There's, we have a lot of the park dates at big open fields, ones with sidewalks for scooters, and we might even bring out the parachute some um, Wednesday. So it's going to be a lot of fun, right? The parachute's awesome. So anyway, um, first day, June 23rd. Hope to see you guys there. Well, I'm excited to tell you about a special event we have coming up in November, the Word Speaks Conference. And uh, I've had the privilege to coordinate the women's retreat here the last few years. And this event is unique in that it is a little different than what we've done in the past. We are actually inviting women from all over the Willamette Valley who are believers that want to be a part and would like to um, come and join us. So it's very special. We are going to be hearing from Jen Wilkin and uh, we are going to be at the Oregon Gardens. And so we're just really looking forward to it. Um, I wanted to share with you real quick the purpose of this event because it, it just it feels so timely and as we've been prayerfully moving forward and making plans, which we have been for the last couple of years in preparation for this conference, um, God is just so perfectly orchestrating it and we, we want you to be on board and excited and inviting women, whether they go to here, somewhere in town, maybe in Portland, we just want to fill up that place and, and be together for that. But the purpose is this, that we would be excited and passionate about God's word so that we can trust the power of God's word, knowing that it is relevant, that it is active, that it is at work, and it is always doing exactly what it says it's going to do. Nothing else in life, <laughs> nothing else in life does that, and nothing else is certain and, and truthful and perfect. So we're very excited about that. I'm going to have, a, um, not Jen, that got a little confusing, the other Jen, pull up this little uh, clip here. This is our Instagram page. We would love for you to follow us, the Word Speaks Conference. And at the top here is a link to the website which is the wordspeaksconference.com. And there's all the information you need about um, our speaker, about our purpose. Um, there's also our registration countdown. So that's where we will handle all of the registering. And if you have questions, hopefully they're answered on there. 
But um, there's, yeah, that's the, the link there. So go check that out. But if you could start following us on Instagram, because that's where we will be um, just giving little teasers for the event. We'll be doing a giveaway. We would like to give away some of Jen Wilkins' books and things like that in preparation. Um, but we're just really excited and, and hope that you will plan to be there. So great, we have so much to look forward to. Um, and guys, I love this just perfect segue into, um, hey guys, if you're not connected, we, we can't get the word out. So we do have a couple of ways you can follow us on social media. Um, Facebook, we are Salem Heights Church, yep, Salem Heights Church Women's Ministries. Or on Instagram, we are SHC Women. So if you're not following us there, um, find us and we'll post, you know, upcoming events and then also just there's an encouraging word every day um, from these accounts. So go ahead and check those out. Another way you can stay connected is through our email list. So we're going to do this connect code again. That thing is called a QR code. I learned that last time. And all you do is grab your phone, open your camera, point it at the QR code. You'll see a little link pop up. Go ahead and click on that link. Even if you are already receiving our emails, go ahead and do this because we do have a raffle prize to give away. So I'm just going to ask you to put in your email, and you will um, get added onto that list. So we're going to give you a couple minutes to do that, and then we'll move it on along. All right, thank you for taking the time to do that. We do have a winner. I'm going to say your last name wrong, and I'm very sorry. Kristen Bodoin. <gasps> wow! <laughs> Come on up. I was actually going to say it different than it came out, so. <laughs> All right, we are going to move on to a game at our tables. We are gonna go with the classic what's in your purse game, okay? So um, at your table, there should be one of these half sheets. So you need one scorekeeper per table. So you are working as a table unit. Hey, before you start, uh, diving into the recesses of your purse, there's one important rule to this game. You are working as a table. So let's say all of you have a cell phone. You only get to count one of those phones, okay? So you don't get four points for cell phone, you get one. Does that make sense? So you're working as a table to see how many points you can get, but only one item counted per table unit. Okay, so I'll give you some time. We'll see who wins. All right, do we have our totals done? Okay, as a table, raise your hand if you have more than 85 points. Woo, we need to clean out our purses, ladies. Um, more than... 90, 95, 100, 105, 
110. Okay, we lost one there. Uh, 120. 125. 130. Right here? More than the Oh, over here? Over uh, 130 over here? 135? 140? 140. Over here? We have backpack purses over here, guys. Let's give this table a round of applause. We have our winner. <laughs> They, 188, Im impressive. So they won some really cute earrings um, made by Megan. You can find those really cute earrings at Felicity Boutique if you didn't win and you need a pair. She can hook you up. Okay, um, I, I have the privilege of introducing our, our speaker for tonight, uh, my friend Lauren. I've known Lauren a long time. I don't know if you remember Lauren, but I was in a young married small group at the Moore's house. Like, it was, I think I'd been married like five months or something, and Lauren was uh, helping to lead that group. But I didn't really get to know Lauren until um, a lot later, and she oversees our, our women's growth groups here, and so, um, that's a big job. There are a lot of us that she helps to coordinate, but if you know Lauren, um, you know that her heart is for discipleship of women, not, you know, not just the program, but the people. Um, I know there have been a number of times that I've called Lauren, and I said, I'm, I'm trying to figure out this passage, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what it means. I don't know how to answer this question, and she has patiently and graciously walked me through that and not just given me her opinion but has opened her bible with me and has walked me through and helped me to see um, the truth of who god is and so i can say with full confidence as she comes up here that um she's not coming up here to to show you how cool she is although she is <laughs> um she wants you to know how great god is and she's not coming up here to um just so that you'll know more about God, but so that you'll know him. And so um, it's, it's a privilege to get to invite Lauren to come up and, and share God's word with us tonight. I on, I'm on. Good. I've been to the bathroom 12 times and I did not drop the mic down the toilet. So um, I'm just going to crank right into this because I, there's a lot that um, the Lord has laid on my heart to share. And so during the course of COVID, the Spirit of God has frequently been bringing to mind um, and, and directing me into God's Word to consider the character of Christ. And... Um, for a lot of us, COVID has added a new dynamic to life. And for a lot of us, um, part of that is spending a lot more time with our main people, right? And so for me, that's been a lot more time with my kids. My husband has been really busy, not much time with him, but my kids have been around a lot. And the Holy Spirit during the last year has continually, I mean, it's, it's probably been close to daily, that he has 
prompted my heart in a moment with my kids, and this is the thought that comes to my mind. Lauren, that is not how Jesus would have responded. And again, later in the day, or the next day, or a couple days later, that's not how Jesus would have responded. Or, hey, you know what? That is a bit closer to how Jesus would have responded, but it's not there yet. All right. So, Ellie had asked me to come tonight and to share about why it is that we struggle with the same things. And she had brought that up when she opened tonight. And what it means to walk in newness of life. And I wonder how many of us struggle with the thought that um, there are certain areas that we just sort of accept. This is just kind of how I've always responded. Um, this is just my bent, or this is how my parents acted, or I act that way because of how the people around me act, right? Or well, I mean, if it wasn't this particular time of the month, you know, but usually this time of the month I act, you know, that way. And I think sometimes we do think that. Um, or do you ever sort of have the thought that in certain moments that seem to happen repetitively, that maybe you don't quite have the faith you need to respond in obedience? Um, or um, like in the everyday sludge, just that dailiness, you don't know how to respond in obedience or you know the way to do it, but you just don't want to. Like perhaps acting in a way that is less than Christ-like is sort of the natural outcome at the end of it. I mean, you might respond kindly and respond kindly, and the 78th time your child has, like, screamed at you, I mean, eventually we're just going to end up just duking it out, right? That that might be how we feel sometimes. But you know what? There is an essential truth in the gospel that should liberate us from that type of thinking. And this truth was one that um, Pastor Pre Pete preached on back in April. And I don't know how many of you were here for that, or if you um, heard him talk about it, but he did an outstanding job presenting this truth, and it's a theological reality called union with Christ. It's a very important thing that, we're, that, that we um, should be aware of because it should impact how we live all day long. Um, in the gospel, we have been united with our Savior, taking on his very righteousness, so that we no longer must depend on ourselves to walk in obedience. Because in the gospel, God has united us to his son so that we get to take on his very righteousness. In fact, as Peter says, we get to become partakers of the divine nature. We get to partake in Christ's nature which is an awesome reality, right? And this, this character, this nature that we get to participate in is not this righteousness that Jesus has up in heaven that he sort of volleys down to us in doses as the need arises. That's not it at all. It is Christ himself united to us, for those of us who are saved, he is united to us 
all the time, every day, supplying and providing and sharing with us his holiness, which is an amazing thing. It's not him far off. He has brought near because of the cross. So do you guys remember how Jesus was talking to his disciples and he talked about a certain amount of faith that was necessary in order for great things to happen. And do you remember what that amount was? It was the size of a mustard seed, right? The size of a mustard seed, which is a tiny amount. And why is it that all that's needed is the size of a mustard seed? And that's because faith the size of a mustard seed is saving faith. And so if we have been given faith the size of a mustard seed, if we have that so that we're saved, we are then united to Jesus. And so then mountains can be moved as we walk together with him because it has to do with his faithfulness, not ours, not our amount of faith, but us being united with the one that is completely faithful. So... I'm going to share a couple of definitions here so that we're going to all be thinking the same thing about union with Christ. So, here's a definition that Louise Burkhoff gave in his book, Systematic Theology. And here's what he says. Union with Christ is that intimate, vital, and spiritual union between Christ and his people, in virtue of which he is the source of their life and strength of their blessedness and salvation. So Christ is the source of all those things. It is not Christ just merely being the source of our salvation, but him being the source of life, strength, blessedness, and salvation. So in simplest terms, if you want to just have something in your mind that you can repeat to yourself, union with Christ means that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And so if you are to personalize that in your mind, think, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And so what does that mean in our daily lives, in the struggle, in the, when we butt up against the same things that we continually kind of butt up against. Um, Paul talks about this. Paul being saved at the time when he wrote this, he talks about that, this in detail in Romans 7, his struggle against sin. And here's what Paul says. He says... <clears throat> For I do not understand what I am doing. For I am not practicing what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. However, if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law that the law is good. But now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that good does not dwell in me, that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. 
Okay, so what does that mean? Let's just think about an example we could say we all probably would agree upon, and that's in the book of James, James says we're to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, right? And so we would probably all agree with that. As we're sitting here tonight, we'd all say that's the right way, that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. But do we always react that way? We don't always react that way. And so we see the struggle here that he's talking about, that we agree with the law of God that the law is good, but the actual doing of it, the willing is there. I'm going to say, yeah, that's the right way. Tomorrow I want to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger with my kids. I'm willing to do that. But the doing of it is not always present. The New King James Version for verse 18 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So the question of how on earth do I obey when I know what God would have me do? I agree with the law of God, but sometimes in my flesh, it feels like I don't have a clue on how to walk in obedience. Any of the rest of you ever feel that way sometimes, right, in the daily moments? And the battle is bleak when we are trying to conjure up in our own ability how to yield to the way of the Lord. So let's go on further and see what Paul says. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I do the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully agree with the law of God in the inner person, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, the law which is in my members. And then let's keep going. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? And we know where he's going with this, don't we, right? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. On the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. So he says, he's looking at this saying, I do this, but there is hope in Christ that he's going to go on into in Romans 8. And we're going to get there in a second. Um, so Paul ex is going to explain the solution to this conundrum that he has. It's like, I want to do what's right, but in the moments practically, I don't do it. Jesus has the ability to save me from that and to take me forward to live in obedient righteousness. And he's going to explain it using a term. This is, again, um, what Pete had talked about back in April, a term that Paul uses again and again in his letters. You see it all throughout the New Testament. 
I encourage you to look for it because it's something a lot of times we simply skim over as we're reading. And it's a little phrase, in Christ. And so as you're reading God's word, don't skim over that. When you see that, think in your mind, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And he is the source of all those great things, right? Of our life and our strength and our blessedness and our salvation. I've got parchedness today, so we're going to be doing this a lot, sorry. Okay, so here he goes into Romans 8. This is amazing. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Okay, what's that? No judgment. No condemnation for those who are, there we see it, those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are united to him. Christ is in me. I am in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, and what's that, what that's saying there is that the law has never been able to create holiness. Looking at all the things that are required of us to follow in the law is never going to create holiness. It never creates change. So the law could not do that. The law was meant to, what, be our tutor to lead us to Christ, right? For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So God is saying obedience is important. Sin in the flesh is evil, and it is completely opposed to the holiness of God. So he's saying he's condemning it so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That is preposterous, right? How could the law be fulfilled in us? Here's how. Christ in us, right? So our union with Christ allows the requirement of the law to be fulfilled in us because Christ perfectly followed the law and he is now in us so that the requirement of the law is fulfilled in us because Christ is in us. So then, the requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, because we have been united with him. And then he goes on and he says, if Christ is in you, and that is true of all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus for salvation, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, Yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And get this, that righteousness is Christ's righteousness, which is now in us. 
It is not his righteousness that is his up in heaven that is sort of in our minds. It's like, well, I get to be righteous like Jesus. No, he himself in us, united to us. Think about that. Think about what that means, that his righteousness is now ours because he dwells within us. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Theologian Grant McCaskill has written an excellent book entitled Living in Union with Christ. In his book, he points out how, and we saw this in Romans 7, he talks, Paul talks about the sin that dwells in us acting. It's almost like personified, right? So the sin that dwells in us acts. And in his book, he says, our only solution is that we be indwelled by a better presence so that we can say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So that's my solution when the Spirit of God reminds me and says, Lauren, that's not how Christ would have acted. My hope is that Christ lives in me so he can empower me to follow him, to go his way, to act in the way that his character would as I'm interacting um, with whoever I'm interacting with. So McCaskill, when he says that, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, He's quoting Galatians 2.20. And the full um, breadth of that verse is, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, meets us in that very thing that Ellie said she wanted us to consider tonight. What does it look like then to walk in newness of life? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me does not mean I'm being changed into a better version of myself. I think we think that sometimes. But that's not what it means. Instead, I'm being changed into a participant in the radically other goodness of Jesus Christ. Think about that. We get to participate in his goodness, in his holiness, in his righteousness. It's not changing me into a different, better version of Lauren. It's changing me to be more like Christ because, again, as Peter said, we get to become partakers of the divine nature. We get to participate in him. So we're not simply saved by him, nor do we merely follow after him. And those are both true, but we participate in him. And so that's vastly different than the moments of the day, me gritting my teeth in the face of yet somebody else complaining about what they're supposed to do for homeschooling, and me being like, okay, I've got to obey here and be compassionate and kind and 
be nice to them even though they're not being nice to me. Uh, so that gritting my teeth and being like, I must obey. I must. I know Jesus says I have to be compassionate. Uh, no, my hope is not in my righteousness and my ability to obey. And I want you to hear me clearly on this. I am not saying that we shouldn't obey. I'm talking about what's empowering our obedience because obedience is important. So my hope then is in his righteousness and strength to obey within me because he, by his miraculous grace and love, has chosen to unite himself to me. Christ will obey and he will go the way of holiness because that's who he is. He's not going to go any other way. He is going to go the way of holiness and righteousness. So then the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not to help us sort of fulfill kind of a frustrated potential. That's not what he's here for. The Spirit was sent to realize within us the identity of the Son and to point us to Christ, which results in worship, doesn't it? Right? So then, obedience is not an independent response. It's not independent where I say, well, with the help of the Spirit, then I will obey. No, it's not about me on my own independently responding. And that's really our, that's really, I think, a lot of times how we think, isn't it? It's like, well, I've been given this thing and I'm supposed to obey. Now it's up to me to do it. It is not up to us because our um, responding, our response is always sourced again in Christ. So I can respond like Christ right now because I'm united to him. I have his holiness at my disposal. As another has said, to belong to Christ means to have his spirit and to have his spirit means to have the risen, ascended, reigning Christ within you, wherever you are. I'm parched again. So I'm going to give you an example. Like, because maybe this doesn't quite make sense. So I'm just going to give you an example from my life on how... Um, recognizing union with Christ has been very helpful to me. So my husband and I have been married for almost 19 years, and um, he is a very kind, compassionate, loving um, husband. He's really patient with me. I've always said he's far less sinful than me. Um, but there are times when we both respond in ways to each other that are less than Christ-like. And there have been times when, in our interactions, when I feel like I've been misunderstood, where um, my intentions have been misunderstood. And so I kind of go into the self-preservation mode because I don't like my character to be questioned. <laughs> I don't know that many of us do. And so in those moments, 
I kind of, it's difficult for me sometimes to walk in obedience in things like considering my husband is more important than myself or um, pulling the log out of my eye so that I can see this, you know, clearly to pull the speck out of his um, or entrusting myself to God in that situation. Sometimes I just feel like this sort of bubbling, and I'm not very emotional, but sometimes it kind of gets a little bubbly inside of me, and I just, I, I, I feel like, I'm like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know how to get there. And recognizing my union with Christ, this is what it practically looks like for me, gals. Okay, in this moment, we're having a conversation, and I can sense the Spirit kind of counseling my heart to yield and to say go this way and I'm like but I don't know I don't know how to get from here to there and I'm just overwhelmed but if I if if I recall the mind by really by the grace of the spirit that I'm united with Christ then in that moment I can recall to mind Christ did always put the other in front of himself. Christ served. Christ didn't put himself on display. Christ cared more about what God thought than what others thought. So I can say, I can think in my mind, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. I can trust him and he can take me on the path of holiness, even though I'm going, I got no idea how to do this, but he can do it. Does that make sense? Thank you. You see, our godliness is nothing we can conjure up in our own strength and in our own obedience. That obedience is sourced in Jesus. And it's not sourced in a Jesus who is far off it's sourced in Christ who is united himself to us. I love the NIV translation of 1 Timothy 3.16. So we're going to look at this. And this is what um, Paul writes to Timothy. And he says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. So he's looking at godliness and he's saying, It is, it is a mystery, where does godliness come from? Where does it spring forth from? And then he goes to the answer. And here's what he says. Here's the answer. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up to glory. So what is the answer? Where does true godliness spring forth from? It springs forth from Christ. Holiness springs forth from the Son, and that abundant spring is at our very disposal because of our unchanging union with Christ, which means we can truly depend on him to create transformation. And you know what? It changes the way that we relate to him because all the day long we need him, don't we? To go his way. And so when we recognize he's with us, not far off, he's with us, we can go with him. And then we more and more and more enjoy the greatest benefit that union with Christ provides. 
You know what that is? It's Christ himself. That we get to be in ever-deepening communion with him. And that's what the gospel is about, right? It's about Christ. For all of eternity, think about this, and this is like so hard to wrap our minds around, but for all eternity past, and I mean, that's like a Googleplex, like times a Googleplex, like, right? For all eternity past, prior to any of us coming on the scene, God the Father has been pouring his love towards his son. The Father delights in the son. He has utter, just, delight is the word for the son. He enjoys him so much, and for all of eternity, he has been pouring that toward him. Jesus is the treasure of heaven, and in the gospel, in what he did for us on the cross, God the Father chose to share the one that he delights in with us, not that Jesus could be right next to us, but that Jesus could, be, could tabernacle with us, right? Could come to dwell within us so that we could share in the joy of being in relationship with him. Hebrews 12 calls us to lay aside the distractions and the things that so easily entangle us. And the writer of Hebrews gives us the solution to how we do that. And you remember what he says? He says you're supposed to fix your eyes on, on Jesus. On Jesus, right? On the author and the perfecter of our faith. We're to fix our eyes on him. And it's not a Jesus who is far off that we're fixing our eyes on. It's a Jesus who has been brought so near. He's united to us. He's dwelling within us. So as, as author Michael Reeves writes, before anything else, it matters where we look. It matters what fills our vision. For whatever it is that occupies our attention, that will steer and shape our every thought, motive, and action. It's not that we look to Christ, we get some sense of what he's like, and then we go away to strain to make ourselves similar. We do that sometimes, I think, that we think that. We go and look in his word and say, okay, now I need to go do that. No, we become like him through the very looking. Looking to Christ, the very sight of him, is what transforms us. This reminds me um, a long time ago. Do you guys remember the kick, the WWJD kick? Bumper stickers and t-shirts and water bottles and things like that. Okay, I had one of those. I had a bracelet and it was really pretty and it said WWJD on it. But do you know what? So if you don't know, some of you might be too young. WWJD stands for what would Jesus do? But do you know what? I had that bracelet, but because I was I was such a baby believer, and I was not walking with the Lord. I never opened my Bible. That I had that bracelet, but really, I didn't know what Jesus would do in the moment. So it was more just sort of like a, like, that's cool, but I literally did not know what he would do because I hadn't spent time with him. I could just sort of conjure up maybe from things I'd heard about him, but I didn't know. But see, once we've understood the truth 
that we are united to Christ, and then we begin looking at intently at who he is in his word, we give the spirit truth to apply to our hearts. So then throughout the year, this last year as the spirit has been you know, uh, reminding me and counseling me and helping me to look to the character of Christ, when he prompted my heart, Lauren, that's not how Jesus would have responded. I didn't have to say, well, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Because I had spent time within his word, and because the Spirit is always about pointing to Christ, always about lifting our eyes to the character of him, I could go, you're right. You know what? Jesus would have cared about the fact that writing that three sentences is so hard right? No, he would have had compassion, right? He wouldn't have just said, come on, I, you know, he would have had compassion. He would have had patience. He would have cared about the things that my child is caring about, and I could know that. I couldn't have known that 20 years ago with my WWJD bracelet. That did nothing for me, but it's because I've been spending time in his word. We have to be in God's word, When we spend time in his word, we provide the spirit with truth about Jesus that then he can use to transform our hearts so he can then come alongside us and remind us when our responses are less than Christ-like. He can remind us that we are united to a Savior who always responded righteously. And he can remind us of the beauty of Christ, which then increases our desire to know him more and to spend more time with him. And then we can say with certainty that Jesus' way is the best way. And we can know with certainty that he can accomplish this within us because of our union with him, right? So I'm going to close by reading a passage of scripture that beautiful passage about how glorious Christ is. I'm going to read this just because I hope that it would cause your hearts to rejoice just in the truth of who he is. Gals, we have to go to God's word and look and see what it says about Jesus. That's what the gospel is about. That's what we've been saved for. We've been saved for communion. That's why He came to die for us so that we could enjoy relationship with him because he is utterly delightful. So I'm going to read this, and then we're going to pray. Okay, Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything for it was the father's good pleasure that all the fullness for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself having made peace 
through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Let's pray. Father God, we are in awe of you and your plans. We are in awe of you sharing with us your beloved son and that you have united him to us by his sacrifice for us. Lord, cause these truths to resonate in us. Most of all, cause these truths to cause our hearts to adore your son. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Christ is in us. And we're going to go to some discussion time at our tables now and really um, start to work through some of these truths together and, and just drive them even deeper down into our hearts. So um, we're going to put those questions up here on the screen for you. We'll take some time to discuss and, and then we'll um, come back together for a song of worship. Ladies, we're going to do going to get to sing one song together. Um, I need to pull up this. I just reminded about um, what a privilege it is to know Christ and to know that we are allowed to need somebody, right? I, I just think in our world today and I've Satan wants us to think that we should be able to do all of this stuff on our own or be a good person or all of those messages that we walk around all day and what a freeing privilege it is to just admit that I need and I and celebrate that we get to need somebody and someone who is so capable and faithful. So let's sing this together that we need him.
and the words that we listen to and the words that we spoke out loud, Lord Jesus. Let us need you more than ourselves, more than others, more than things of this world, Lord. We would worship you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren, for sharing with us tonight. Um, we're about ready to wrap up our night, guys. Um, I don't, I don't want to wrap up our night without saying, if you are here tonight and you don't know that Christ is in you, if you have not placed your faith in Christ for salvation, please don't leave here without um, talking to the person who brought you or come find me or Julie or Lauren. We would love to talk to you about um, the God who created you who loves you, who, who made a way for us to be brought near to him through his son. Um, on your tables, you'll find a little succulent plant um, with a little flag in it that says renewed. That is um, a gift for you to take with you um, with this reminder attached. Um, these truths that we heard tonight, they were true when you walked in here tonight. <laughs> 
Um, and, as, and as we saw, like Lauren took us to a few different passages, we, these things are, are repeated in Scripture. And God doesn't do that because like, he forgot that he already said it, but because we need to be reminded again and again of these truths. And so um, we know in, in Romans 12, it says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind which, you know, renew means to make something new again. And so when you look at that little plant, make those truths new again in your mind. Re- remind yourself, I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, and, and let's just watch as Christ transforms us. Um, I also, I just want to say a quick thank you to, to my team. Um, they have... <laughs> This last year has been a little wonky <laughs> for ministry, and you guys, this team, they have just faithfully served. When there has been an opportunity to do some kind of girls' night out, they have been there and ready. And so can we just give them a round of applause just to say thank you for all their work. I'm just so thankful for them. Um, also, there's just like a lot of things to wrap up, you know, this last one of the year. Um, on your way out, for moms with young kids or older kids, there are some. There are blessing bags out here. We've put these together for um, those who are in our homeless community, and um, this is—it's just a really great way to disciple your kids. It's a way to say, um, just like like Lauren shared, like what would Jesus do? We know that Jesus—he shared the truth and the good news, but he also fed people, right? And so when we, um, when we come alongside our kids and say, this is what God's word tells us to do. This is how we can love people. And then we go and we do something about that. Like that, that changes us and it can change our kids. And so if you would like to grab one of those blessing bags or one for each of your kids and just take those with you, keep them in your car, um, hand those out to those that you see in need. Um, Jen Hansen is going to be out here um, to help um, get those bags to you. So please please um, consider taking one of those as you go. Um, I think that's all for me. Julie has one more announcement about something we, another thing we can look forward to for the summer. (laughs) Ladies, I want to invite you to our summer women's Bible study. It's going to be on the Tuesday evenings in July, starting on July 6th. And we are going to be looking at four of our favorite psalms. You know, I, I love the psalms because it takes the greatness of God, puts it on display, but it puts it right alongside our circumstances and our situations that we find ourselves in. And in doing that, God really changes our thoughts, our perception, and our perspective. And not only that, The Psalms are a balm to our souls, and it gives words to our prayers, and it gives us instruction on how to live. And so I just want to invite you to join us those evenings in July. I know it's going to be a special time as we, each one of those nights, we look at a particular Psalm, and we're encouraged and challenged by it. So mark your calendar, invite girlfriends to come along with you. We'll be meeting up in the chapel, and I know it's going to be a really special time. 
Thank you for joining us tonight. It's so good to be together. It's such a privilege. You guys, I am never going to take the opportunity that we have to gather together as women for granted again like I did before. I admit it. I'm just so thankful. These are precious times, and I hope that you will take advantage of every opportunity that we have to gather so that we can be an encouragement to one another. Thank you for being here tonight. And I too, Ellie, I want to thank the Girls Night Out team. You guys, wow, you have just really done so much. And Ellie, thank you. Ellie came on right before COVID. Um, didn't know what she was saying yes to, but man, she has... She took the challenge and provided so many opportunities, whether that was online or in person, to encourage us and to gather us together in various ways. And so we're really thankful for you, Ellie. Thank you all for being here. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Pick up a cookie if you didn't already. Take it with you. Please pick up the um, blessing bags for your kids on your way out the door. And we'll look forward to being together again in July. Good night. You're dismissed. <laughs>